As Earth Keepers, we hold wisdom about our planet within our bodies learned through lifetimes of experience on Earth and throughout the cosmos. I'm Amy Dempster, a shamanic practitioner and your host for the Earth Keepers podcast, and I'm on a journey to reconnect with my soul family, the other Earth Keepers, grid workers, portal tenders, land stewards, and nature lovers around the world. On this podcast, you won't find gurus or dogma, just a safe space where I share personal stories from my spiritual journey. Welcome back to this week's episode of The Earth Keepers. Last week, I shared a pretty in-depth explanation of how sacred knowledge from the time of Atlantis has been passed along for thousands of years through space and time and is still being used today. If you missed that episode, it might be helpful to go back and listen to that one first, as this episode will build on the last one. But basically, through doing 17 property readings in three weeks, I was repeatedly asked to do some large-scale work with the Earth's energetic grids. I was finding sections of the grids that had been changed, moved, manipulated, or were being used to broadcast frequencies connected to a specific agenda. To be honest, it was super frustrating. I mean, it's not like I was going to be able to fix all of these problems single-handedly per se. But on top of that, what if someone else came behind me and undid my work? What was the point of even doing this? And through asking that question, I started to see what I needed to see through this process. That much of the old was just going to have to play out to its eventual conclusion on its own. And we can choose to participate in that or not. But we have the choice to more or less unplug from these old manipulated grids and shift to what's new. Before we get to what's new, though, I want to dive into what we're currently seeing and experiencing here in the collective. Also, this is the first episode of the month, and if you're new here, what we do on the first episode of each month is that I share the energy or essence of a place in nature with you. It's a healing frequency handed from the location to my higher self and from my higher self to yours. Your higher self will then accept the healing energy and deliver it to the place in your body you most need it. So the experience is different for each person. But this month, I'm going to share something a little bit different, and I'm actually going to move it to next week's episode, because we're going to be talking about how our bodies and our energy fields are shifting and changing through the ascension process. Then I'll be sharing a short guided meditation at the end of the next episode for you to experience working with your energy and the earth a little bit differently. So tune back in next week for that. For today, let's talk about the current state of the ascension process as I perceive it. As always, we're each having a unique experience here on earth and nothing is wrong or invalid. So take whatever resonates with you and leave the rest. Okay, so let's pick up where we left off last week. What the heck has happened to the Earth over the past few thousand years? And I guess the better question to ask would be, what hasn't happened to the Earth? Much of it has been on full display for us to see. Massive resource extraction, pollution, exploitation of billions of people, large-scale destruction of natural areas, you name it. 
Through our desire to have more of everything, we've used and abused the most abundant and plentiful resource available to us and the place we all live. And you can look to almost any period of time in human history to find greedy, power-hungry people willing to rape, pillage, plunder, and exploit in the name of exploration and conquest. And let's be honest, riches. It's always been about finding or acquiring more wealth than the other guys. Whether that be the European countries in a constant tug-of-war to claim the most valuable land 500 years ago, or the battle of corporations today to have the largest market share or stock price or whatever. But there's also been much more of a silent war happening behind the scenes. And that's been to control the frequency of the earth. And one of the easiest ways to do that was to locate the most energetically potent locations on earth and more or less take possession of the grids there. Now, depending on who you are and what you want to accomplish, you may damage the grids so they're no longer functioning correctly. You may use the energies to amplify your own intentions, or you may attach your own frequency or messages to that grid for others to subtly receive. How do I know this? Because I've come across it time and time again in readings and my own work with the earth. And I'm going to pick on the Mormon church a bit here because I have done so much work with the grids under their temples for the past few years that I know they've been doing it deliberately, but they're not the only ones. Certainly the Christian and Catholic churches have been doing the same in many locations. Again, you can go back to last week's episode if you want to hear that explanation. And I suppose you could say that they believed they were doing it for the highest and best good, right? They want to send the frequency of their religion out to the people to subtly pick up and say, hey, I really feel called to go to church and connect with God. And in its purest form, there's nothing wrong with that. But again, as we know from thousands of years of history, there are a whole lot of distorted messages around God and religion. And if an organization needs to manipulate you in any way to believe what they believe, then something's not right. So here we are now in 2021. Is anything pure and true and organic anymore? Honestly, I've been asking myself that question the past few months because It seems that there's nothing that hasn't been tampered with or manipulated, and it's not always outwardly obvious. So keep in mind when you're working with symbols or reading old texts that they may be distorted. You really have to use your discernment or be very clear that you only want to work with the pure and true organic version of the story or symbol. Let's take something as well known as the fleur-de-lis symbol. It goes back to ancient Egypt, where this symbol represented the tree of life. As we covered last week, this kind of symbology representing everlasting life was at odds with the church, who taught that our consciousness ends with our physical death. However, that same church adopted the fleur-de-lis as a symbol of royalty and to honor the Holy Trinity of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. The fleur-de-lis was also a symbol used by the Knights Templar. Now, here in the United States, the symbol is closely connected to the state of Louisiana. It's in the state flag, it's incorporated into architecture, and is even the symbol for the professional football team. 
but in the 1700s, it was used as a mark to brand slaves who had been caught running away. It was used by the French as a sign of supremacy over others. So you can see how many different meanings and how many frequencies can be attached to one symbol. Never mind stories that have been handed down over thousands of years. The reality is that the world has changed. And we've worked hard to lighten up this incredibly dense energy on the planet. So what you needed to know or do in order to reach higher states of consciousness at a time of the Knights Templars is totally different than today. In fact, I might argue that none of it even matters anymore. And I'm mostly walking you through these explanations as a basis for our understanding of why these shifts are needed. One of the most interesting tidbits I came across on Rory Duff's website was about the pyramids in Egypt. He was explaining how the as the Golden Age was coming to an end, which probably took hundreds of years, people who had always naturally had psychic powers and contact with their ancestors would have been slowly losing these connections. That probably would have been terrifying for them and felt very isolating after a lifetime of connection. But building the pyramids on powerful energy lines in the earth and surrounding them by running water may have been an effort in part to allow people to still be able to journey on the inner planes, assisted by the energy of the earth. That idea rings true to me. But it also goes to show that all of this ancient knowledge that we think we're somehow missing isn't actually what we need right now. That knowledge was for another place and time. We're in the period of transition back to another golden age. We're getting our powers back. We live in a totally different time and we need different technology. And this is why I say that all the old stories don't actually matter. You're not going to find what you need to live in this moment in time in an old text or an old ritual. We're creating what's next now. And we're not just getting our powers back. We're also getting our power back. We're beginning to remember that we are the creators of our own worlds. We can't just sit back and complain about the things we don't like about our world or the powerful people doing things we don't like. So as long as we're doing that, we're not creating something else. And if you want to explore the idea of how powerful of a creator you really are, go back and listen to episode 19, Creativity Plus Consciousness Equals Change. Now, I want to touch for just a moment on AI, artificial intelligence, because I think people are noticing or paying attention to it now in a way that we weren't before. Honestly, I just think it's easier for us to see it now. And certainly some of it is baked into our actual physical technology. Every time we shout across the house at Alexa to turn the volume of the music down or pick up our phone and say, hey, Siri, we're interacting with artificial intelligence. It's a regular part of our day-to-day -day lives now. But there's another form of AI, and for the sake of this conversation, I'm going to call it inorganic realities. It's like that projector I worked to dismantle over Flathead Lake in November and December. I talked about that in detail in episode 17, The Power of Love and Evil. What's become clear to me, though, is that there are plenty of inorganic machines, implants, ideas, and who knows what else that's intertwined and layered right on top of the organic. They look and feel like one and the same. 
I mean, I lived here for almost seven years. And although something about the lake felt a little bit odd to me, I never would have guessed that it was actually a projection I was looking at, that the real energy of the lake was hidden from us. That's how real inorganic timelines can feel, just like the grids that have been manipulated. You think you're anchoring into the Earth's organic frequency, but you're actually anchoring into some other frequency that someone else put there who knew exactly what they were doing and when they did it. See how frustrating this can be? But I'm not telling you all of this to frustrate you or instill any amount of fear, because what I see happening online more often or not is that even the people who are talking about these issues are creating an environment of fear or mystery around it all. And that's not cool. That's just perpetuating more low vibration frequencies while not empowering anyone to do anything about it. We don't actually need to know about anyone else's agendas. We can just agree that they probably don't have humanity's highest and best good in mind. So I would suggest not putting your focus and energy on needing to know or figure out all the nitty-gritty details. Because as long as you're putting your attention there, you're not putting your attention on shifting your experience to the higher timelines. And with that, let me tell you a little bit more about how my experiences have been changing over the past year. When I went back to my channeling notebook, I noticed that the messages about how the energy would be changing have been coming in through at least last summer. While working with the Bigfoot elders at Krauss Basin, they took the time to discuss the difference between inspiration, which is divinely guided wisdom that will not miss you, versus input, which is asking and looking and reaching for information. They said that when we catch ourselves in that mode of looking for answers, we need to consciously shift ourselves back into receiving mode. And when I just went back and looked at these notes, I caught one little tidbit that I hadn't remembered. They also said, things that give us pleasure open us to receiving. How awesome is that? When we're feeling anxious for input and answers, we can instead go find something, anything that makes us feel happy and gives us pleasure. Because that's the frequency we need to be in to receive the divine inspiration that we're looking for. And the reason I'm mentioning this now is because when we're scrolling social media, our feed is full of input from others. Other people's channeled messages, other people's personal thoughts and feelings, other people's experiences that may or may not have anything to do with us. And like it or not, there may also be inorganic symbols, messages, and frequencies that are along for the ride. So don't be afraid to turn it off disengage, and unfollow. That includes me. If it doesn't feel good to you, don't allow it access to your energy. Go do something that brings you pleasure instead. Also, if you haven't gone through the process of consciously removing old symbols, patterns, contracts, and the like from your physical and energetic fields, set some time aside and do it. We all have junk in our field that aligns with old junk on the earth which is part of why it's so hard to disentangle ourselves. I will link to a decree that you can use to do this in the show notes. But as with anything, whatever you create will be more powerful for you than something someone else creates. So feel free to use it as a framework that you can then put into your own words. Okay, so back to my experiences and messages. 
In December, the day after the inorganic projector was removed from Flathead Lake, I wrote in my notebook in all capital letters, use your heart. The message was that everything is available to us through our heart center. This is where we find and connect with God, source, energy. Our heart is the mediator between body and spirit, between heaven and earth. Through our heart, we move from sadness to joy. A few days after that, I visited Krauss Basin for the last time before the heavy winter snow fell and was shown how to tone through my heart center to connect with the earth in a different way. And a week after that, and just days before the winter solstice and grand conjunction, I suddenly noticed a huge influx of star beings all trying to come in through the Stargate portal here on my property at once. I was told that it was like an embargo on Earth had been lifted and everyone was rushing to get a passport and coordinate their travel plans. And on the solstice, Earth would officially open for business again in this timeline. It was also on this day that I made the note about using our Merkaba to connect to Source and the Earth. I understood that, and I even have a guided meditation to help you learn how to do it. But honestly, it's just now that I'm seeing how important it is to ground our energy in a different way. We don't want to keep connecting ourselves to an old version of Earth. And I'll walk you through that in next week's episode. So after that came the solstice, and it was seriously intense for me. The energy started flowing in through my crown the evening before, and I could barely sleep that night. I could feel how energized and awake the earth was in anticipation of the big moment. And when I finally did sleep, I ended up visiting a place called a light language library, where I was researching how or when the grids in the United States stopped working properly. When I found the documents I was looking for, I saw that it was all related to colonization of the land and indigenous people and the construction of the railroads. The work continued as I woke up and was told that this particular grid from my dream still needed to be activated before the conjunction. I started doing all my usual energetic techniques with the grids, but nothing worked. Somewhat intuitively, I started toning into the grid and it immediately started powering back up into a rainbow-colored, multi-dimensional geometric pattern instead of flat lines on the earth. I was then told to shift all the way back into my body and get outside until after the conjunction. I stood out in front of the stargate and toned until the time passed. As I wandered around in a bit of a daze afterwards, I realized that the portals on the land here had totally shifted. All their energy was now flowing through the Stargate. They were no longer individual portals. And then that was it. The rest of 2020 came and went. And as we moved through January and February, everything was just so quiet. At first, I thought it was a period of rest after all of the activity and activations of 2020. And I was happy to have it. And then I realized when I felt back into the energy of the prior year, it felt totally dead. Not just old, but dead. I couldn't even tune into that energy anymore. Weeks went on. The silence was deafening. I wasn't seeing any of my usual guides and meditation. There were no messages coming from anywhere. Finally, in mid-March, I asked why. What was happening? Where did everyone go? And the answer came through. Everything changed on the solstice. 
everything I had sensed as somehow outside of me or around me was now within me. My guides are just other versions of me, and I didn't need to see them as somehow separate from me any longer. I needed to trust that it was all within. Codes, wisdom, knowledge, and messages are within. And now it's time to integrate and put it all into practice. By the way, this was the same time I was told to do the 10 property readings in 10 days. Talk about practicing and integrating. But what I've been noticing this year as I've been feeling into these new sensations is that everything is merging. And this is the point of the ascension process, right? To remember ourselves as source here on earth within a human body. But in order to truly experience and embrace unity consciousness, it means we have to release any of the old ideas or constructs connected to duality. And that sounds fun, doesn't it? Ooh, we're all one big vibrating ball of love. All the hate, pain, and trauma in the world is gone. Who doesn't want that? But when you have to actually disassemble your own beliefs one at a time to get there, you're faced with how deep the ideas and programs run in your system. So let's hit on a few of them. See how it feels in your body when I say, these are old constructs you don't need anymore. And let me be clear, you can continue using and working with these constructs if you'd like. There's nothing inherently wrong with them. But many of these ideas are either outdated or have become distorted through years of manipulation. Okay, here we go. Can you release the idea of our chakra system and how it works? How about the ideas of feminine or masculine? What if I told you that you didn't need to find your twin flame or that maybe the whole twin dynamic isn't even a thing anymore? Can you let go of the concept of dimensions, 3D, 5D, 10D, and so on? What about past lives? I mean, we've talked a lot about time not being real on this podcast, so you've probably already accepted that what we thought was a past life may not be in the past after all. But what about sacred geometry? I mean, do you really need Metatron's cube or the flower of life? How does it feel to consider that all of these things are either rooted in duality or have been so manipulated that they just don't even resemble their original intent? Again, it's up to you how you want to use these ideas and constructs going forward. Sometimes I still use this language to describe concepts because I know people are familiar with them, but I've been really pushed this year to explore and integrate these concepts. What's interesting though is that they aren't all going away. It's exactly like my experience with my guides. They're merging. So instead of nothing, it's everything. It's all true. It's all possible. And it's all within us. We're merging the inner and the outer to have one multidimensional experience. Because how can we come to deeply understand and experience ourselves as source if we're constantly asking our guides what we should be doing next. Never mind how we could be potentially manipulated by inorganic and energies masquerading as guides if we somehow feel like they have all the information we ever need, just so long as we keep going to them to channel their wisdom. Nope. We have to come into our own hearts to find our own deep knowing and trust in ourselves. 
this seems to be the next step in the process. So, okay, that's more than enough to receive and integrate for one episode. I'm sure you can see why it's taken me a few months to understand what's happening and then put it all into words. But if you're feeling super excited about all these shifts and changes, you might be interested in joining me in the Earth Tenders Academy. In this online course, you'll connect even more deeply with the energy of the land where you live, you'll work with the spirits of the land, and learn how to do healing work in partnership with these spirits. The Earth Tenders Academy is an online course with nine modules chock full of video lessons from me, along with guided meditations to experience each subject for yourself. Then we meet together live twice a month to practice our skills, including one call every month where we do a reading and a healing with a house or a piece of land together and then compare notes. Every single month, there's at least one person who says, I am totally new at this and I didn't think I got much, but after hearing everyone else's experience, I realized I definitely got the same messages. These practice sessions will get you trusting your inner wisdom in no time. There is a link in the show notes to learn more about it and join us. So thank you so much for joining me this week, and I'm looking forward to seeing you back here next Tuesday. Thank you, thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to the Earth Keepers podcast. I'm so honored to share this journey with you. I would love it if you join me and other Earth Keepers from around the world in the Following Hawks Earth Keepers community on Facebook. To find the show notes, additional resources, or learn more about working with me, go to earthkeeperspodcast.com. Until next time, I'll see you in the multiverse.